0: Thank you for listening to the Convergence House of Prayer podcast. Please enjoy this message by Pastor Greg Seamus.
1: Well, good. Happy Easter. Turn to your neighbor next to you and say, Happy Easter. You can kind of drag that out if you want. Happy Easter. Isn't that great? They were trying to set the chairs up today. So I'm going to move them again. You know what? I, I, this was not part of my plan as of uh, this morning. And then, um, as I was praying, it became part of my plan. Is that all right? How many of you have never seen this, these chairs on the stage like this before? This is your first time seeing it stop. It is? Really? You're the youth pastor. Usually, you, you're with the kids. So, I had to grab some water. We're going to move this around a little bit. And so, um, we're going to try and do, uh, I don't like this, but we're going to do it like that. All right? Turn to your neighbor and say, Happy Easter. Uh Why don't you let them know what you're going to eat this afternoon? Go ahead. Take a few seconds. Go ahead. Converse. And then tell them how much you're going to eat. And then tell them that you're going to repent afterwards. That'd be good. All right. Okay. Well, I'm going to try and get you out by two. So, well, so good to see you guys. So good to see you guys. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I look, I'm scanning the room. Man, super good. How many people are here for the first time? Several of you all right, all right wonderful welcome glad you're here yeah um, we're going to be all we're going to be all over the uh the Bible today, you know, so is that cool so um, if you want let's uh let's go to John chapter one, and then we're going to look at verse one and two <clears throat> and then um, and then we're going to Preface Philippians chapter 2, we'll bounce into Ephesians, and, and uh, who knows where it's going to go. So that's a completely unplanned Easter message. Do you know what I'm saying? So just say, be led by the Spirit, PG. Excellent, I plan on doing that. Okay. Do you want to say hi to, I was waiting as, the long, as, as long as I could? for Nina to come in here and she's out with the kids. So, uh, but Ryan's here and Nina are here. So we're super grateful. Oh, as usual, here comes Nina on time. So won't you guys stand? Let us welcome you guys. So glad you're here. Super great. So glad you're here. That was a big surprise. Yep. And that's their little baby girl. So they have four kids. Wow. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So the, if you're praying for them, increase the level of intercession. Uh, <laughs> and, man, I saw, I saw how many of you guys remember Ada? And little Ada, man, she was all grown up. She was talking like she was 22, 23 years old. She was just like, yeah, you know, and we have a little baby, and the baby's really not a baby anymore. It's about a year old, and she, she's just talking away. And, uh, and, and then Malachi, Malachi, and man, so so amazing. So glad you guys are here. We just completely welcome you, completely, right. lovingly welcome you. So good to see you. All right, uh, John chapter 1. Did I tell you to go there? All right. Um, this is going to be a little bit of a continuation on the, uh, the Father Heart. We've been on that series for the last two weeks. Next week I want to talk to you about the Good Samaritan. And, uh, oh, the prodigal son, actually, sorry, the prodigal son, and uh, just really demonstrating the Father's heart in that, in that, uh, in that analogy, that story. But, um, but today, we're going to talk about um, the resurrection. And I man, if anyone needs to be celebrating and being loud and being thrilled and excited, it's everybody in this room who knows Jesus. That was a little lame. If anyone is going to be excited about, especially today, about the resurrection, it should be you guys. Well done. John chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. And it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 2, and he was in the beginning with God. Now, I'm reading to you out of the new King Jim, Jimmy, <laughs> and, but the Passion Translation does a great job with this. And... I, I want to I review that just for a moment because I'm going to kind of set the stage um, for the rest of the message, but it really comes out of John chapter 1, verse 2. The Passion Translation actually takes that, that word and develops that word properly. The Passion Translation says that they were together face to face. So, if, if you weren't here the last couple of weeks, you can grab the YouTube, but… So often when we think about the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we tend to think of them as in a line. Or we would have the Father on the throne, we would have the Son, and we have the Holy Spirit as a dove over the Father, or anyway. So we, and it's just really based on how, kind of, on how we, we were raised. And, you know, if we were involved in a, like for me, I was involved in the, the Catholic Church, and so, in the Catholic, as I was going to catechism, the Father was distant. The Father was as far back as I could take this chair, if I could push a, if I could push a hole through this wall and keep sending this one of these chairs back is really how I viewed the Father because the, the Father was never taught to me. Yeah. Wow. What I did learn was you had, you had Jesus with the sacred heart and the crown of thorns and you had Mary. And the Holy Spirit was a bird. That's how, as a kid, that's what you think of. With a, it had a beacon light on its stomach, and it was shining down on Jesus and and actually Mary. And so, my picture of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit was based on how I was taught, what I was, how how I was raised in the Catholic Church, and and even when I got saved. When I met Jesus, my life was completely transformed. Can we say amen to that? And, and, and then about three years later, I, I was filled with the Holy Spirit. I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I knew the Father was somewhere, but I knew Jesus was my Savior, and the Holy Spirit changed my life. It was after the baptism of the Holy Spirit that I was called to the full-time ministry. I mean, I got encountered again by the Holy Spirit. But the Father was somewhere directing the show. That's kind of how I saw things. And even, even prior, I, I would be thinking that the Father was, was, was here, kind of like the, the director of the movie. And we had the Son as the major player. And we had the Holy Spirit that was empowering everything. And, and so that was my picture. So I would be, I would be constantly reaching up. Trying to address the Father because I felt like the Father was somehow, in some way, not really interested in me personally. I knew Jesus was, and I knew the Holy Spirit's empowering me theologically. I understand that, and my life was changed, but the Father was still distant. And the way I, the way I viewed Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit was, was different than what the Scriptures say. And so now I, I have this understanding that the father is not, um, you know, not a, not a, I want to say an old man, but I'm older. I don't say I'm old. I'm older, but he has white hair down to here, and he has a gray beard that flows. And the only picture that I saw actually was, the only thing I can remember is that he's reaching, trying to touch someone else's finger in a painting that, was it Michelangelo? Okay, the great painting, that's my picture of the Father. Then I'm reading the gospel of John and I'm saying I'm 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 reading that Jesus came as to demonstrate who the Father was. I mean, his sole purpose was not only to save humanity, provide a way for humanity, but actually to demonstrate who the Father is. So much so that he says, "When you've seen me, You've seen the Father. When we read John 17, which we'll jump to in a few moments. I didn't tell you about that chapter. We'll hit John 17. Even when we read John 17, it's the great prayer to the Father. And basically, Jesus is saying, I represented you well. I revealed you well. So the picture that we see in John 1, verse 2, and actually in John 17, it's not a God that's, it's not laid out like this all in a row, looking at us, hoping we do well, and us performing in such a way that we actually win his love. You cannot win his love. His love has already been won. It's already been purchased for us. And he's not going to love you anymore today, than, or anymore, he's not going to love you He's not going to love you anymore. Anyway, you got it. (laughs) His love is constant. Let's just say that, all right? So here's the picture. We're having fun with this, right? So here's the picture. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, face to face. Now, I want you to get this. I just want you to grab this picture. God Never had a beginning. God, let's let's establish this thing first, is three persons in one. So Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is God. Everyone say amen. amen. So God never has a beginning. That means that this is how they commune face-to-face. Now, we can't understand or even possibly, we can imagine, but even at that point, it just gets, we just freak out because we're so locked into time and space. But God isn't. He's eternal. That means there is no beginning and there is no end. So now I want you to see that the Scripture says that God is love. So you have to see how this is working in the Godhead. There's a constant flow of perfect, sacrificial, united, affection, love for each other in the Godhead. And I don't even know if you can paint it. I don't know if you can imagine it but it's intensely amazing. We'll just say that. And that's not even, those aren't even good words. Do you know what I'm saying? All you creatives can think of better words than that, but for what it's worth. Then they have this idea. Let us make man in our own image and our own likeness. And let us fellowship with humanity what just happened so he creates can't go back to this you can see this all last week he makes the world the universe he creates the earth and out of the the clay of the earth he creates man in his image and likeness he creates man and the scripture says this is man Anyway, terrible, but takes man and he puts him in the garden. And now he's in the center of the circle. He's walking with God in the very presence of God. We can't explain why Adam and Eve turned the way they did, but they did. So God says, there's a tree of good and evil. Don't eat from it. Tree of life. not touch it. So Eve is tempted. So then he creates, sorry, puts Adam to sleep, takes a little rib. And out of the man, he makes woe man. Right? Right? So when, he, when Adam saw her, he said, Whoa, man! (laughs) Stuck. It stuck. That was so good. It stuck. (laughs) Creates one man, woman. They're in the garden. They're tempted. They both uh, enjoy the fruit, and now they're separated from God. So now they've they've stepped. Through their willful disobedience, out from that kind of a fellowship, and they're here. The promise is made that from the seed, God's going to bring somebody that's going to crush the devil's head. That's a great seamless paraphrase, but that's pretty much it. So Adam and Eve are outside of this circle, of this communion with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Does the Father's, does God's love ever change toward Adam and Eve? No. Same. But because He's holy, they've lost, they broke fellowship with With God, so now we see in the Old Testament we see the law being distributed, given, and it's pointing towards something. And the law is just the law's many things, but one of the things that the law is, it actually it actually gives a picture of God's nature. He's holy. And so we see in the law, we see this, and man, it's, the law is created according to the Apostle Paul, that man cannot ever achieve fulfilling the law. In other words, it's not, it's not going hap- to happen by works, it's going to happen by grace, but you don't know it yet. It's going to happen by grace. And so... You have Adam and Eve, and then you have all the generations. You have David. You have Abraham. You have, you have Moses. You have the prophets. And they got near to God. In fact, my voice cracked, but you got, they got near to God, so much so that they said that you know, David was a man after God's own heart. Like there were things about David. There were things about Moses. He, he saw the goodness of God pass before him. Like there were encounters. There was God showing up. In the Old Testament, God would break in. The presence of God would would do crazy things, and you had Elijah performing miracles, and you had the anointing on the prophets, on characters in the Old Testament, but it was something that was temporary. It wasn't God's great desire. And so here they are in the Godhead, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit have a plan and that is we're going to send Jesus who is God this is mind blowing for a moment so here they are throughout eternity the love for mankind is so great that there's going to be a there's going to be a break in this fellowship for about 33 years. How do we get mankind right here? How are we going to do it? I don't think God, I don't think it took him long. He is omniscient. And I don't know how God reasons, but we're created like Him. So anyway, h- how do we do it? Well, the Scripture says, in the fullness of time, Jesus came. Turn to Philippians chapter 2. Did I tell you? I did tell you Philippians, Philippians right? All right. When you're there, say amen, you hear less pages and more, you can't hear devices, but I assume you guys have your devices. Verse 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God but made himself of zero or no repu- reputation taking the form of a bond servant and coming in the likeness of men it's called the incarnation god becoming man and that's what we celebrate at christmas verse 8 And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. Why is that significant? Because the cross is a criminal's death. So, so Paul makes a point. It wasn't just that he died. He actually died on the cross. He, He was framed there was a false trial, and they killed him, but they just didn't behead him. They put him on a cross, like they shamed him. So the, the picture I'm trying to convey to you this morning, and I know this is not your traditional Easter message, thank God, because <laughs> you guys know about that, was that I, I'm trying to convey to you that, that there was something that took place here Jesus st- steps out, He, takes on, he humbles Himself, he, put, he takes on flesh, and He comes to us not with great, you know, uh, royalty and, and all that kind of stuff. He comes to us as a child of zero reputation, now, I can't get this thing on. And he's God. So he comes. I'm trying to illustrate. I got this during worship. It's terrible. I'll try. And he dwells among us. So for three years, he comes into broken humanity. The God who actually created you and you and you and me. We're sinful. We raise our fist to God. We're we're blasphemous, or we feel unworthy, we're shamed, we feel shame. He comes and He dwells among us. The Scripture says that He healed. He didn't come condemning humanity. He brought life. What did He do? John says that He dwelt among us to reveal something, and that, who, and that is who the Father is. See, you think the Father is vengeful, he's angry. If you make a mistake, he's going to get his Louisville slugger out, he's going to knock you over the head. You, you, can't, you can't pray enough, you can't pray long enough you don't read your Bible long enough, we strive. he say, that's not who the Father is. In fact, if you read the Gospel, it'll say even the miracles are done by the Father. You know who the judge is? Jesus. Every knee will bow and every tongue confess that He's the Lord. So here's Jesus. I call Jesus the champion of heaven. He's God, but he's the champion. And when he was conceived and he was born, the enemy said, That's the dude that's supposed to take me down. Maybe he didn't say it quite like that, but you have to get this picture. All hell was unleashed. And He walked among us, and He ministered and healed. Gospels say that you can't even, the the Scriptures can't even contain the miracles that Jesus performed. He didn't come to condemn the world. He came that the world might be saved. Yeah. You see, John 3.16 is something that we've learned held on to for years we need to revisit john 316 for the father for god so loved the world that he gave his only son what's going on jesus only saw what he saw only did what he saw his father do though he was here i'll try and grab this theologically though he was here he was there Because he always stayed connected to the Father. The disciples would say, Send the crowds away. They're hungry. Let them go get something to eat. He goes, You feed them. So he feeds 5,000, probably 10,000. It's the woman who's caught in adultery, the very act complete setup. That'd be interesting. Drags her, throws her at the feet of Jesus, trying to catch him. What do we do with this woman? Jesus starts uh, riding in the dirt. One by one, they leave. What are you talking about? He didn't condemn the world. Now, we... That's another message, I don't want to go there because I'll be another hour or longer, maybe shorter. Don't, don't condemn people. Why, because you're not condemned. Where did Jesus find you? I was pretty jacked up when he found me. I didn't have to clean myself up to come to him. I tell people, they say, well, i got to get my life right before I come to Jesus. I said, that's like washing your hands before you take a shower. <laughs> don't use that, that one. That's, I've used that for years, <laughs> but do, you don't, don't use that one. This doesn't make sense. So Jesus leaves the face-to-face encounter to go face-to-face with humanity. And we know it says in Isaiah that he was he was beaten to a pulp to where you couldn't even recognize him. In other words, the cross was this not something that we read about and we say, "Oh, the cross was brutal." And that's, that's all about Good Friday, right? But the cross was brutal. You actually had to push yourself up on that piece of wood in order to breathe. I mean, it's still one of the most painful ways of, of being killed. And so Jesus didn't take, the, not only did Jesus die for us, he didn't take the easy way out either. And so they mocked him, they spit on him, they punched him out, they grabbed his beard, pulled it out in handfuls, they, they threw a robe on him, and then when the, the blood dried, they ripped the robe back out off of him, they put a crown of Judean thorns on his head, they were like almost like nine-inch nails going into your head, and he's the son of God. Why is he doing this? Because humanity is right here. And the Father wants humanity right here. But for whatever reason, we think things that happen in our life and we're whispered to or we're lied to, that somehow it's God's fault. That the reason why this is happening is because it's God's fault. And he's the one who actually put on flesh and came to us as a man, was brutally punched out and killed. And we still don't understand that we're living out here thinking that it's, for some reason, the things that happened in my life is God's fault. And so he's, Jesus, is pushed onto a cross, and he's nailed. All of hell is breaking out against him, But he knows that the cross is something that's going to actually create something for humanity. But humanity, at this point, is trying to find purpose. They're trying to find a reason for their existence. So that's how we have religion. Religion is man's search for God. Religion is something that man has created to actually appease a creator. The cross was the appeasement. What does that mean? That means you don't have to strive to earn your way to heaven. You just need to accept the grace of God that was provided. But that can't, that can't be true. That's, that's, that's good news. The, the news is too good. So we have people in Sri Lanka pulling on vests and destroying themselves and people with it. We have the crusades in the, mid, the medieval days destroying other people for the sake of religion. Religion is, will never be the answer. Christianity is not a Religion. You should say amen to that because it's true. Christianity is about relationship. I don't like religion either. Religion has blinded so many people from this union. So for me, it was the seven sacraments. For a person involved in Islam, there is no love in Islam. I've talked to people. They don't even talk about love. God is not a God of love. It's vindication. So I'm going to pray five times a day to keep the anger of God away from me. And if you look at whether it's Hindu, whether it's Islam, whether it's whatever it is, there's this God that's distant. And when Jesus came, he came near. Religion paints a picture that God is distant, that God is somehow angry, that God is somehow displeased, that God is some, there's this create. there's this separation that takes place, and it doesn't point to the fact that there was a Savior that actually left this space and came into humanity. And even after we get saved, we feel like it's, I got to do this, I got to do that, I got to do this, would you just rest? Would you just take a breath for a moment and let's just receive the love of God. You see, it's all about receiving, not achieving. So Jesus, turn to John 17. I saw Jordan walk up, so out of the corner of my eye, you guys ready? I even had a, a cross, but it's too small, still a cross, it's just too small. So Jesus pays the ultimate price. And if I had a cross big enough, I would put it right here. And he was stretched out, and he was killed, and there's an empty tomb. But the way I access this is through this. What does that mean? That means that Jesus became the perfect sacrifice that allows humanity from being on the outside to actually step in. What does that mean? That means the reason... My voice is cracked again. There you go. I just want you to take a moment and just maybe if you looked at a newspaper a hundred years ago t- to today or if you can catch the headlines, things really don't change. It's man trying to find his purpose, trying to find his destiny, trying to find his why he was created. they're searching. they're they're stepping into whether it's drugs or drug addiction or or pornography, whatever, there's multiple relationships. Everyone, they're just searching. They're broken, they're wounded, they're hurt. They had moms and dads who didn't love them fully. A lot of our troubled teenagers could just come from busted up families. Listen, you guys, humanity's broken. I mean, if it's on Easter Sunday and we're ready to celebrate and we get news from our brothers and sisters over in Sri Lanka, 200 people are killed in our churches, humanity's broken. But there is provision to actually make someone whole again. And it's the... the, it's the cross, it's the resurrection of Jesus. Obviously, the resurrection of Jesus turned the tables. I mean, I was just reading this morning how the priests were, in Mar- the Gospel of Mark. Jesus is suffering on the cross, right? Jesus is, is, is it, he's screaming. He lets out this final yell. I don't even know what that even sa- would sound like, but it was, the scripture says it was loud. It wasn't, Father, Father, why hast thou forsaken me? That's King James. Why have you forsaken me? But at the very end, he just lets out a yell, Wah! whatever that is. And they're like, don't, 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 Elijah's going to come, Elijah's going to come. Don't, don't bother me. Well, let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. They're just doing this. They have no clue. He dies. His body is put into a tomb. We know the story, right? The resurrection is powerful because Jesus destroyed death, hell, and the grave. The resurrection is powerful because the Scripture says that He actually plundered hell. He grabbed the keys. He grabbed all authority that we lost in the garden, and now He has it. But more, than, more importantly, He's actually created a way for us to actually be face-to-face with the living God. No longer on, on the outside, no longer struggling to find our purpose, our calling, our destiny, whatever, the, the void, the empty space that's in our heart, whatever we're doing, we're searching, we're searching, we're, we feel like it's just good enough, all this kind of stuff. And the reason why he's created you in his image and his likeness, that's how you're created, and only God can actually com- can complete the picture of your life. So he's talking to the Father in John 17. And he says, So my Father, this is out of the Passion Translation. He goes, So my Father, restore me back to the glory we shared. So my Father, restore me back to the glory that we shared together when we were face to face. How does God, the uncreated, love humanity, love you so much that there would be a, I, I don't even know how to theologically describe it, I'll just say this, He leaves and puts on flesh. He dwells among humanity. He goes to a brutal cross. He raises from the dead. Oh, all hell must have just shuddered. They said it's over. It's over. And now Ephesians says that he is seated at the right hand of the Father. It says here in Ephesians chapter 2, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love, the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. You can clap louder than that. Listen. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places where In Christ Jesus. The Passions, let me just take that phrase seated us in heavenly places. The Passion Translation says this that we're co seated as one with Christ. Where does that put you? Are you out here striving? Are you out here reaching? Are you out here? You're out here reaching when you're really right here. Well, how can I be in two places at once? Well, in the spirit, you're right here. But somehow our mind's been a little twisted thinking that we're out here. How do we know? Because we keep trying to earn his love. So we find ourselves striving. A Christianity that's built on continual striving is something that is flat out unenjoyable. Though we're we're seated here, it's it's, it's this place where you just flat out, I'll say it for the sake of whatever, you just burn out. An indicator of burnout in this guy's heart is when I've actually positioned myself here trying to earn the love of God. I just want you to know this, that you don't have to earn it. The battle's over. If you've received Jesus, then you can just rest in the love of God. I mean, there's no greater joy than that. that you can actually commune with God throughout the day and not feel like you have to earn it, somehow get His affection. Can you just take a deep breath and say, yes, I received that. I received the love of God. Listen, you're seated in Christ face to face. I don't know how that works. I'm just really thankful. Listen, you guys, it's way more than just fire insurance. If you're thinking that your walk with Jesus is just to keep you out of hell, you've missed the whole point. It really is too good to be true. But it is. If you're here this afternoon and you're outside of this, You don't have to be. That's just the truth. You know, Romans says, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It says in Romans 6 that the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. It says in Romans chapter 10 that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, he'll forgive us. It says in John chapter 1, verse 6, That if we accept Christ, we both believe and receive, we become His children. We don't have to live orphaned anymore. We live as true sons and daughters. That's available to you, sir. Religion will never get you in, going to church will never get you into this place. It's when the blood of Jesus is applied to your heart. Well, how does that happen? It's when you ask him to forgive you of your sin and come into your life. Well, it can't be that easy. If it's sincere, if that prayer is sincere, I'm telling you, it's that easy. We complicate it. I'm always fighting to keep it simple. Just keep it simple. We have volumes and volumes and volumes of book books on Christology and pneumatology and lology, whatever. It's just all this ology stuff, you know, theology and all this. You know, Jesus didn't come throwing books at us. He didn't. He lived, he died, he was resurrected. And now it's your turn. It's a gift. And you can't earn a gift. It's given freely. But it cost him everything. That makes sense? Yeah. Let's stand. There's two things I want to do. First of all, if you're here and you don't know the Lord... You've never given your heart to Jesus? I'm not, talking, I'm not talking about going to church. I'm not talking about, you know, that you've been in church for 20 years. I'm not talking about that you're Baptist, some is a God. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not talking about, you know, thinking that you're good enough or that you're I'm not talking about that either. I'm talking about, have you, have you asked Christ into your heart to where you know for sure that you're saved and usually on Easter a lot of people that come through are, are they love Jesus but there might be one or two that don't know the Lord and uh, with every, every head up every eye open if that's you just say I, I need to find Christ I need to ask Jesus into my heart if that's you this, this afternoon just put your hand up we'll celebrate with you anybody in this room Okay? Here's one that's a little closer. If you're distant from the Lord, like you've made decisions away from God and you're kind of living, you're living independently from the Lord. And that could be for a number of reasons. You could be bitter. You could be, I don't know. There's a lifestyle you're choosing and you're feeling this moving in your heart to come back to the Lord. I want to give you that opportunity and if that's you would you kindly slip your hand up and i just want to pray for you i need to get my heart right with the lord okay god bless you god bless you sir god bless you anybody else god bless you thank you anybody else god bless you thank you anybody else god bless you thank you And I'm assuming that everyone else is good. If you're good, say "Amen." I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. For those of you who lifted up your hand, if you wouldn't mind, I'm not going to have you come forward now, but after service, after we close, uh, I think Andrew, are you closing, that he could put, maybe direct you so we can just pray with you. But let's just let's just pray together, all right? If you if you feel comfortable, maybe put. You can hold the person's hand next to you or you can put whatever. Just kind of connect. Put your hand on someone's shoulder, whatever you feel like doing. Just There is something about a corporate, just a corporate coming together as, as family. First of all, Jesus, thank you that you came. Thank you, Lord, that we stand in this building redeemed, purchased, by the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that the the blood has been applied to our heart, just like in the Old Testament where the blood was applied to the doorpost. The blood is applied to our heart, and it's there atoning for us, working righteousness in us. And when the Father sees the blood of Jesus stained on the heart, we're declared righteous. Can we just say, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> thank you, Lord. And we we stand this afternoon as sons and daughters, royalty, commissioned to take this gospel to the broken and to the lost. So, Lord, we just pray that the fire of God would be ignited in our hearts. We just thank you, Lord, that we get to recognize this Sunday as Easter Sunday, that the tomb is empty and we celebrate that you defeated death, hell, and the grave. That you are the champion of heaven, the son of the living God. So grateful. In Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to have Andrew come on up.
0: Yeah, why well, don't we give Pastor Greg a hand. As an awesome message. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Right now I want to invite the, uh, the ministry team up. We're going to have a ministry team here for about 20 minutes. If you have pain in your body uh, we'd like you to, to pray for you. If you have some sickness going on inside, internal disease, anything, we want to conquer that with the kingdom of heaven. Uh, we want to lay hands on you and pray for you. If you want to receive Jesus and you didn't have the, the, the guts enough to say it at first, I'm going to have some people up here to let you have another chance. And we want to care we want to care for your soul. That's what we're about. We don't want you to see we don't want to walk you to walk out of this building not connected to Jesus. So come on up if that if that's you. If you need a fresh touch from heaven, I would encourage you to come up as well. If not, be blessed. Have an amazing Resurrection Day celebrating the life of Jesus that he gave us. Be blessed everybody. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more messages like this, please subscribe and thank you for listening.